Coming up on episode 46 of Anchor Persons. To hesitantly go where a relatively small number of people have gone before. It started out with a spider kiss. How did it end up like this? What's your 20 good, buddy? 20? I thought you said I only needed 10. And what do China's dancing grannies have to do with an elementary school cineplex? Stay tuned to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Anchor Persons. From the south and east of the northwest, the land of trees and rivers, now in 60 shades of gray, it's Anchor Persons with Gene and Greg Person. Featuring sports, emotional weather, food crime, the podcast shopping network, and more. Anchors weigh you down. Cut loose with your news. Here's Gene and Greg. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Anchor Persons. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Anchor Persons is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. This last Monday was, of course, Columbus Day, the one day a year when we take some time to celebrate the work of filmmaker Chris Columbus, who gave us such hits as Adventures in Babysitting, Home Alone, and Mrs. Doubtfire. We love you, American film director Chris Columbus, the only notable Chris Columbus in the history of the world worth celebrating you know it's interesting you mentioned that gene because i always thought it was columbo's day oh yeah yeah you think peter falk is uh is getting his his honors on this this particular holiday well and i I think they could share them because it's just one more thing (laughs) is that do you think that's gonna read for anybody or is that like a joke that's gonna fly over the heads of almost every single listener of this podcast because no one's as old as we are no, we're old <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into tonight's story beats. Two men lost at sea for 29 days say that it was a nice vacation from the pandemic. Congratulations on your rescue, and also sorry for your rescue. An armed robber in Tulsa, Oklahoma was arrested for stealing a prosthetic leg from the victim. He then strapped the leg to his head, which is how police found him when he was apprehended. Rule number one of larceny. Don't be stealing from Long John Silver. He be a pirate matey. A group of concerned parents are trying to get the principal of their kid's school fired because her Instagram mentions that she listens to Iron Maiden, saying that they want their children to be exposed only to the most cult metal. In the wake of whistleblower allegations, Facebook has announced that it will nudge children and teens away from harmful content on its platforms. A spokesperson did insist, however, that... Grandma is still fair game. A pilot who crashed his plane seven times in seven days says he's not likely to fly again. Though from the sound of it, I don't know that he's flown yet. A woman in British Columbia woke up to a hole in her roof and a meteorite on the pillow next to her bed. Space Rock's got game. A bear named Otis has once again been declared the biggest bear in Alaska. In order to increase the bear population, wildlife officials have started him a grinder account. That's a really good joke. Thank you. I liked it. A U.S. Navy engineer and his wife allegedly tried to sell nuclear submarine secrets. The secrets included sensitive design elements, operating parameters, and of course, a map to the location of Mitch McConnell's multi-million dollar underwater turtle fuck bunker. Researchers say that under certain special conditions, it's possible to hear the northern lights. 
but it's rare because you have to have eaten an eel during the Glastonbury Music Festival. California is set to ban new gas-powered leaf blowers and lawn equipment in an effort to curb emissions, but if you think small engines make a lot of greenhouse gases, wait till I tell you what you're smelling when you drive through Koalinga. And with that, let's get on into main news! An elementary school cineplex. Sometime in early June of 1989, my elementary school was ending the school year. We did it every year with a walkathon, but this year was a little different. We accomplished something. I'm not sure what. I don't remember. But they rewarded us with a school-wide ice cream party and movie fest. They circulated a flyer to choose what movie we were going to watch, but so many different movies got votes. And there, while there were clear front runners, it was also clear there was going to be disappointment for some of the other voters so their solution was to choose several of the movies and show them throughout the day in the cafeteria kids were treated to toby tyler in the library the enchanted forest in the gym it was pippy longstocking i hopped between several of the movies because i wasn't sure which was the best one to watch and as a result i got a taste of all of them it was my fifth grade year my last year in school, I remember completing the walkathon and feeling a little bit sad as I sipped some orange drink and started the short walk home. I knew I wouldn't be going back there, but I didn't know that no summer breaks would be ever quite as good as those few summer breaks I had before I became a teenager. There were bad times to be had in elementary school, but things got so much worse after. So that day, my last truly great day of school stands very prominently in my memory. But what does that have to do with? The Dancing Grannies of China. You see, Jean, in China, older people enjoy exercising together in public spaces, uh, which is something that started during the Cultural Revolution. And because it often takes the form of dancing in public squares, they call it square dancing, which to an American is very funny because square mm -hmm. dancing grannies are out of control. Yeah. Pe people yeah. say their music is too loud and they chase people away from public spaces. Uh, they've mm. even gone so far as to invent RF devices to shut off the square dancer stereos, but they complain that the government is still not doing enough to crack down on gangs of belligerent dancing old people. Okay. So, okay, so I'm kind of already seeing some, some like inner child type stuff going on here. I am lamenting what is essentially the loss of you know, the innocence of childhood in a way. Um, because once you hit sort of preteen status, everything gets a little darker and a little tainted. Well, but, but see, look at, this is actually, if you take the side of the dancing grannies, I think mm -hmm. this is actually kind of a hopeful story because. Well, no, know, that's what I'm saying is they're tapping back into that energy. Right. Right. See, cause it's, yeah, it's just, you know, recreation in a big group, everybody having a good time. I mean, you know, not the soccer players that they forcibly remove from the field so that they can dance to Chinese folk music, but... Right, right. No, that's why I mentioned the thing about inner child, because I, I, I totally saw that connection. Uh, no, I don't think dancing in a square is something a, a super corrupted person would do. I think maybe marching in a town square might be... Something on, a corrupted person might do. On the other hand, though, and this is another elementary school connection, bullying is a huge problem. People are getting pushed around by these grannies. Well, yeah, and that is a problem. And like some of what I'm describing, 
uh, of what came to play after elementary school was a lot of bullying. So, I mean, really, my adolescence was just marked with different kinds of terrible bullying. Well, but they were all children, right? Like, none of them were 60 plus? Um... I wouldn't say that because let's let's think about why bullying happens in the first place. Mm, fair. I mean, you go far enough along the chain. I bet there's someone 60 plus there who's, you know, someone did it to them. And so they've got to pass that along because, you know, heaven forbid you want to make things better for the generations that come after. Well, and the indifference to the authority figures in schools kind of mirrors the indifference to the authority figures in this situation because yeah. this is the thing that you know people are saying and, and there have been occasions where the police have shown up and and broken up these gangs of old people and arrested some folks but um they, they think they're not doing enough and i'm not gonna come down on the side of the you know state authority cracking down on anybody for anything no <laughs> i mean that, that's never gonna be our bag yeah. But these old people are being dicks and they should probably cut it out. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, there's good and there's bad in this. Just like there's good and there's bad in, in my scholastic experience. Right. I mean, the thing is, is um, I, I guess what we've learned by comparing and contrasting these two stories is that you're never too old to get together with your friends and have some good, clean fun. But you're also never too old to be a bully and a dick. Well, I feel like that's that's a pretty good, a pretty solid connection, and we can we can definitely move on to uh, our breaking news. A follow up to a story from a couple of weeks ago, William Shatner went to quote unquote space this morning, and uh, came back. Uh, round trip took about ten minutes, but in that time, he had a really profound experience. He says, "quote." I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. I hope I can maintain what I feel now. I don't want to lose it. It's so much larger than me in life. And he continues, It hasn't got anything to do with the little green men in the blue orb. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death. And Bill, you're listening. I know you are because we talked to you a couple of weeks ago. As wild mm. as it sounds, I know exactly what you've experienced. The novelty and the intensity of that moment caused you to fully participate in it and understand the uniqueness and fragility of every moment of life and of existence itself. Now, there's a lot of different vocabulary to describe this, but for our purposes, let's say you saw the time knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I love it. Thank you. I, I threw that in there just for you. Made this episode for me. It really did. And the good news for you, Bill, is having seen the time knife, you can keep this awareness going. That's the essence of enlightenment is keeping that going. It would take too long to explain how to do it. So just hit us up on Twitter. Slide into our DMs. In fact, anyone seeking enlightenment should hit us up on Twitter and also subscribe to our Patreon. All right. I want to warn you before I start my breaking news story as with a lot of stories that i read it's gonna make you cringe at least a little bit so uh prepare for the cascade of nope that is coming sherry maddox a 50 year old virginia woman was on a kayak trip down the staunton river at some point she was bitten by a spider on the lip but the bite 
didn't feel serious, so she carried on. The next day, however, the bite was still feeling painful and had swollen quite a bit. She sought out antibiotics, but the area of the bite became very swollen and pretty soon she started hallucinating. She initially thought that the hallucinations were due to her meds, but apparently it's a known side effect of some venoms. The woman first suspected she might be hallucinating when Dr. Penguin asked her how many fingers he was holding up when, in fact, he was clearly just holding up a wing. It turned out that the spider that bit this woman was a brown recluse, sometimes called a fiddleback, because of a marking on, its, on the back of its thorax that resembles a violin, and because they're always ready for a good old-fashioned reel. Don't go chasing this particular hallucinogen. The brown recluse is one of only a couple of venomous spiders in the United States capable of causing tissue necrosis due to envenomation, though the bite doesn't always cause this condition. The hallucinations are actually caused by another component in the venom, a neurotoxin. They're one of the few spiders that has both. The woman received treatment for her bite and was placed under careful observation at an Oscorp medical facility. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd keep it kind of subtle, but uh, yeah. The I'm glad you caught it. The spidey heads in the audience will get that and appreciate it. But still, like that's that's quite the little odyssey off just one little bug bite you know this is why you don't fuck with spiders ever yeah spiders i mean i have a healthy respect and fear of spiders i don't typically kill spiders that i find in my home unless they are venomous and then it's it's really more a case of wanting to protect you know the people that i love that said i uh I will rehome a spider. I have no problem doing that. I'll rehome a spider to hell where it comes from. <laughs> of course you will. Of course. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our fake true story. In Alaska, a mysterious group of violent otters is attacking humans and dogs. Officials have warned people to stay away from lakes and rivers. We don't have audio of the attacks, so we used cutting-edge forensic science to make it up. Dude, are you sure about this? The sheriff said nobody should go near the river, especially after dark. You know what they say, bro. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, so you better drink up. Dude, what was that? Just the wind, bro. Relax. But what's that coming up the bank? It looks like a pair of glowing red eyes. Chill out, bro. It's, it's just the northern lights. Yeah, that's all it is. Dude! The claws! I never thought I'd say this, but I don't think a light and refreshing alcoholic beverage is going to help right now, bro. No, dude! The claws! The claws! Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. All right, let's move on to touching tips. This week's tips... Halloween decor! Some people bundle up old clothes and garbage bags to create fake corpses, but you can also create a fairly realistic and convincing corpse through murder. Creating a haunted house is a lot of work, so to save time, ask your title company if your house is already haunted. Need some spooky lighting for your doorstep this All Hallows Eve? You can achieve an effective flicker by moving to a home on the Texas power grid. Tired of regular jack-o'-lanterns? 
put a pillbox hat on your pumpkin to create a Jackie O lantern. It's one of my favorite things you've ever written on this show. <laughs> I'm glad you thought so. I liked it. Looking for some happy haunting in your Halloween decor? You can start by never texting them back again. Can't afford spooky skeletons? Get a shovel and repurpose all those old pets that went to live on farms. All right, I guess it's time for sports. All right, folks, as you know, sometimes we also cover games uh, in this segment rather than just sports. And as every well-educated person knows, uh, there's a popular Halloween times uh, game that is played where you call the name of the Candyman five times in front of a mirror to summon him and then he kills you. And although I've not seen the most recent documentary about the Candyman, I am, of course, familiar with the documentary released in 1992 and its two sequels. Now, mm -hmm. as I've said, uh, inevitably a bunch of people die every year during spooky season by playing the Candyman game. So I just want to remind our listeners not to say Candyman five times. Because, <laughs> well, even if the mirror is small like this one here, and even if you don't say it all at once, it'll still summon him. You know, the guy that you don't want to see. So be careful. Yeah. It's time for the creature feature. This week's creature feature, vampire bats. Vampire bats are leaf-nosed bats most often found in Central and South America. These bats feed solely on blood. There are three known species of the bats, and they all likely evolved from a common ancestor. The hypothesis of how they evolved is pretty interesting, but every step in the process is, is sound. They evolved from species with sharp teeth for piercing fruit, then began feeding on ectoparasites, who also derive their nutrition from blood, then bypassed the middleman and began to uh, gain the ability to feed on the blood themselves. First of smaller animals, then larger, and vampire bats are actually able to hunt by sensing body heat due to infrared, making vampire bats a predator of the same class as the predator. Now, these are bats, and bats are the number one vector of rabies, which is incredibly deadly if not caught in time, so don't go chasing any vampire bats. Please stick to the ravens and the snakes that you're used to. <laughs> I'd also like to point out that the very existence of vampire bat may imply the existence of the vampire joker. Oh, I see what you did there. I like that. Also, yeah, lots, lots of little comic references, I guess. Yeah, the, the TLC joke was very good. Well, thank you. It's time for the emotional weather. And this week's weather, weird science, dead man's party, and no one lives forever. Boingo, boingo, the most Halloween of all bands. So this story uh, may not exactly fit the brief for weird science, but a recent report revealed that some folks believe that they are aliens in human form, known as star seeds, an idea they got from a best-selling book, and that they've been sent here, tasked with the duty to make humanity a kinder race. So this is a new trend. I guess it fits the weird part of the brief, but... I don't know that's really science. I think it may be of interest to the field of psychology. So there's that. I'd also like to add that the uh, star seed is actually just the newest skin on the concept of star people who were sometimes referred to as indigo children. Do you mind if I take like just a couple of minutes to go off on one about this concept? Because I, I had a yeah, lot of by thoughts all means. about it. Because yeah, sure. the thing is is if you look at, because I looked up star seeds on the internet, because I'd never heard of this, because I'm a grown man, um, mm -hmm. the, the qualities that they're saying make them special are qualities like empathy, curiosity, sensitivity, intuition. What they're describing that they don't even know 
is being a human being. Yeah, it's humanity. A right. And the reason that they feel so alienated and they don't belong in this society is that we live in a profoundly inhuman society. I completely agree. So the thing that they're groping toward is the fact that it's not that they come from another planet. It's that they're human beings and they want to live in a human world. Right. So, I mean, I, I want to... If there's any star seeds in the audience, I just want to say to you, you're human and everyone around you is just like you. They just, that's just not the world we live in, but we can create it. I, I, right. I, and, I'm getting too worked and, up and, over and, here. And you have to blame the systems the humans have put up. And the, it, the work starts with taking down the system. It really does. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's not going to be any hail bop. There's not going to be any mothership coming to save you. What's going to mm -hmm. save you is is being a human being saying, listen, I'm a real human being and this is how I feel and reaching out to other human beings and, and trying to awaken that in them too. Well, for my weird science, now this, this is uh, true science, but it is deeply weird because there's a small but growing number of plant biologists who are coming around to the idea that plants feel pain, communicate, and exhibit consciousness and intelligence. Yeah, I've read a little bit about this. It's really interesting. And, and the thing about it is that what this means is that the most crucial differences that we've marked out between plants and animals aren't real. Like, mm -hmm. and they haven't decided this based on woo-woo nonsense. It's on observation of the same processes by which we infer these things in animals, including other people. So if this is true, it could upend our understanding of the world more than anything in the history of science. But honestly, I don't see it making that much difference because people know that animals are conscious and they don't really give a shit. Right. It, I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact, but it might mean that there is no real path to the good place. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to eat at that point. If it turns <laughs> right. out that beans are conscious, I'm fucked. All right, let's move on to Dead Man's Party. I want to talk about A Weekend at Bernie's because though it isn't the best movie, it's still a comedy about two guys dragging a corpse around a beach house during peak party season. And that is a fucking bonkers premise for a movie. It's shocking that this was ever greenlit. And I'm both embarrassed and proud to be living in a country where a thing like that could happen. Well, the only thing I would disagree with everything you just said, Gene, is your assertion that Weekend at Bernie's is not the best movie. <laughs> okay. Because I think it might be. <laughs> now, for my Dead Man's Party, uh, I want to talk about the idea of a living wake, uh, which is something that's becoming more popular, where you celebrate the life of a person while they're still alive to enjoy it. Now, I'm mm -hmm. all for this. If I were going to do one, I'd skip the eulogies because they'd all be bullshit. And having even the slightest interest in what anyone really thinks of you is for suckers. But if you're going to have a party in celebration of your life, having it after you're dead makes as much sense as a luxury casket. So we might as well have one now. Sure. Get it out of the way. You can enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Speaking of ideas, no one lives forever. Yeah, no one lives forever, but a new technology could potentially give your loved ones an actual piece of you after you're gone. Basically, they're using AI to create a digital twin of someone, one that may eventually be able to talk and think like a real person. Will this ever really happen? I have no idea. But if I'm gone, and my kid says I love you, and somehow a version of me can say I love you back, 
I'm 100% behind the technology. Is it really me? I don't fucking know, and I don't fucking care. It's enough for me that my loved ones get some some small comfort from it, and if they aren't just creeped out by it, I'm all for it. Well, do you mind if we take a minute to have a quick philosophical conversation about this? Because I am squarely in the other camp. Okay, sure. Because for me, one of the most important things that you have to understand and accept to, to deeply internalize is the fact that you and everyone else dies. It that's this is that's true. the thing that you have to get your head around before you can ever have true wisdom and happiness. And so to have this thing to lean on where your loved ones could say, Gene's not really gone, he's still with us here in digital form, is it, it's pulling people away from that realization. I, I think it's a bad step. I, I don't think I don't think that's correct at all. I do not think that's correct at all. Because, you know, I have photos of loved ones who have passed on. I have video of loved ones who have passed on that I'll revisit on occasion. And it makes me feel a certain way. But I I am aware that's not actually the person. I ran a photo of my grandmother through a filter that animated the photo. And it was a little surreal to see the movement. But... It didn't change the fact that I know that my grandmother is gone. Yep. I don't think this is, I don't think this is you living forever or it works as a one for one substitute for the person. I think it's, it's just another way to miss that person. See, I don't know though. I'd, I'd be worried about it because if it becomes too sophisticated, it blurs the line and then you're not engaging with your memory of the person, you're engaging with the construct. See, a, a picture... I think by the time it becomes sufficiently sophisticated for that to happen, this world will be long gone anyway. <laughs> That's a fair point. I'll, con- I'll concede that we don't have a shitload of time left on the clock. On that note, uh, for my No One Lives Forever... Uh, There's a promising new gene therapy for dogs uh, that may reverse the effects of aging and chronic disease and lead to longer, healthier lives, potentially significantly longer. Now, the same treatment could, with some work, also work on humans, but I don't care. We should keep working on the dog version, really perfect it, because they deserve it more and we all know it. It's true. All right. Well, that was a fairly involved emotional weather segment. Yeah, it was good. So we've got a new segment this week taking the place of Food Crime and Podcast Shopping Network, and it's called What's Your 20? Yep, we each took our top 10 favorite things in the category, which this week is horror movies, and we're just going to go down the list, and we're going to talk very briefly about each one and uh, tell you why we like them. So number 10, Dead Alive a horror film by Peter Jackson who of course later went on to direct the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, set in Wellington, New New Zealand super quotable very much of the comedy school of horror but incredibly disgustingly gory and um, you know a lot of the practical effects were were not exactly the movie magic that later made Lord of the Rings so great Uh, they were (laughs) A little more rinky-dink uh, back in uh, Wellington, but still, it, it's a super, super good horror movie, and I'm really glad I got to experience it at a, you know, when I was a teenager. 
Absolutely. That is the perfect age to watch this movie. I also would recommend this movie. This is like if you took Evil Dead and cranked the dial up to 11. Uh, it, right. it kicks ass for the Lord. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yes. And, oh, Fernando, your mother ate my dog. Not all of it. All right. For my number 10, I chose The Prophecy. Um, you'll remember this as a vehicle for Christopher Walken, uh, but also had some other great actors in it. Virginia Madsen, Viggo Mortensen plays Satan and mm -hmm. is terrifying. Um, He's so good. I know. This is this is just a, a fairly low-key sort of um, eschatology movie that is super spooky and it has a lot of unsettling implications. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. It's... Um... It's a very dark film. Uh, it, it almost doesn't play as much like a horror movie as like a thriller, but it's so good. And it's, it, it's of course, some of the, the themes of, you know, fallen angels and whatnot are very, very much in, in the wheelhouse of horror. And Christopher Walken is just so menacing, not as menacing as Viggo Mortensen, but still. Oh, yeah. No, this movie's a masterpiece when he loved us best. So my number nine, The Descent, a film about some ladies who decide to go spelunking as kind of a, you know, uh, an outing uh, together that they do annually. And they uh, they go into an unmarked part of a cave and discover, you know, basically uh, chuds and uh, one by one they get picked off. And one lady, I, I had a very ambiguous ending that was both oh it was the movie takes you for a real ride and it was 100% a horror movie of like the classic horror mold you know mm -hmm. but it, it lifts you up it brings you down it lifts you up and brings you down you feel so much anxiety for this woman as she's making her way through the caves and there is a point where I, I don't want to spoil the ending but you have to watch it well, you know, I've never actually seen this one. This is one of those ones I've always meant to and have never gotten around to. Oh, by all means, please watch it. It's so good. Oh, I totally will. But, you know, horror has its roots in tragedy, so I'll just remind you of that fact. Oh, no. Like, I, yeah, I assume that everybody's going to meet a bad end. Like, you, you can't really root for anybody in a horror movie. Right. Um, on that note, In the Mouth of Madness, it's... Yes! It's not explicitly yes. a Lovecraft movie, but it is a Lovecraft movie. It's It totally it's is. It's cosmic horror, yeah. very much in the mold of H.P. Lovecraft. Sam Neill, so good. Um, mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you anything about this movie without spoiling it. Please watch it. I... But, like, don't think too hard about it the first time. It will cause distress. Greg, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you read Sutter Kane? I was hoping you would do that. Thank you. I appreciate that yeah. very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, my number eight movie, An American Werewolf in London. You know, I've mentioned it on this show before. It is a Halloween classic for me. Part horror, part comedy just all really good film had some revolutionary practical effects in, involved in the transformation sequence that really set the standard until CGI became a thing. 
Yeah, all around great movie. Absolutely. Another one of my favorites. And that transformation whips the shit out of 99% of CGI that will ever be on film. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. My number eight, Return of the Living Dead. Now, this is a a movie created by the former partner of uh, George Romero. Sort of his take Mm -hmm. on what a zombie movie ought to be. And it is, it is everything fun and goofy and gory and disturbing, just rolled up into a beautiful burrito. There's a dancing naked lady in a cemetery. Yeah, it, it's, you know, so it's, it's like, it's not a good movie. It's a terrible you movie. You shut your mouth, That's what sir. makes it one of, no, but wait, wait, <laughs> that's what makes it one of the best movies. The... Tar Man, and there's so many awesome sort of things that that have, like the whole thing about zombies saying brains came from Return of the Living Dead, not from Night of the Living Dead or any of the Romero movies. That's that's 100 Return, and you know it's it's subsequent sequels. It like I love Return. I love the whole series of Return of the Living Dead because. What what I love about it, as opposed to like, no, I, don't don't get me wrong. I love Romero zombie movies. I love their political aspects and all of that. But I don't need to. I don't need to think when I'm watching Return. It's it's like okay, it's gonna be gags, it's gonna be zombies, and it's gonna be boobs. Yeah, it's fun. It's goofy. It's trashy. It's creepy. I love it. All right, my number seven, The Evil Dead. You know what? I'm actually going to change this one to The Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, mm-hmm. since we're picking our favorites, and it was essentially a remake of The Evil Dead, where uh, Sam Raimi got to do more of what he wanted with the original film. Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. I remember watching it when I was, like, maybe 12, and there's a scene where there is a lot of blood And I remember describing this to a friend in the Boy Scouts. When I was done describing it, I was like, but it's really funny. Well, but that's the thing about that movie is that it really dials in what makes the Evil Dead series great. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you have, of course, Bruce Campbell as the hero, Ash. And, and, you know, you've got all the the Hallmark Raimi stuff. You've got the... We'll just call it the the undead cam. You know, it, it it's got distinctly Sam Raimi camera angles and kind of comedy bits, and it's you know it's the first time Ash uttered groovy. And you know, there's there's so much to love about the movie. Oh, absolutely, still holds up. You can watch it anytime, or you can watch Ash vs Evil Dead on Netflix, which is fantastic if you've never seen it. All right, for my number seven, uh, Society. Now, this movie came out, I think, 1988, and uh, Billy Warlock is the lead, which is a dope name for a spooky movie. Mm -hmm. Society is uh, social commentary plus body horror plus comedy. And great. It's fucking gross, but it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really smart. Um, it is one of the sleeper hits of the 80s, for sure. All right, number six, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, in which two lovable hillbillies continuously find themselves in situations where they appear to be killing off college kids. 
I don't want to spoil anything, but it's one of the most brilliant horror comedies ever made. I I watch it kind of all the time. Like, not every night, but every once in a while, I'll put on Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You know, I'm the same way. I will also periodically just watch Tucker and Dale because it's fun. And there's mm-hmm. something wrong with my brain. And uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a blast. I would recommend it to anybody because it's not so gory that, you know, it's going to squick you out. It, it really mm. is more of a comedy and it is so much fun. Alan Tudyk and the guy whose name I can never remember, they're great. I mean, Alan Tudyk, he is just, man, he is a gem of the acting world, isn't he? He is. He is. He's a true superstar because I've seen him play wise guys. I've seen him play hillbillies. I've seen him play psychotic villains and, you know, starship pilots or pastors. He's done so many different kinds of roles. He's a very versatile actor. And he's got two dicks, blessed in many ways. Yeah. Now, for my number six, Uncle Peckerhead. Now, this is a movie that just came out last year. It is a punk rock road movie, plus monster movie, plus hostage psychological horror, maybe? Um, Hmm. It's so good. The music for the movie is all original uh, because the director knew that if he was going to sell this movie about a band, he was going to have to have some pretty dope uh, music on the soundtrack. So the music is all original. It is... I can't say enough about this movie. I love it. I think it is so smart. I am waiting for... the, The music in the movie was so popular that they actually started recording and mixing an album of the fictional band in the movie. So this is one of the few on your list that I hadn't seen, but now I have to see it because your description of it sounds like like something that's right up my alley. Bro, I've been telling you for a solid year to watch this movie. I I, I know, I know. The, the, the time I have to watch horror movies is so limited with, with the toddler and, you know, life. But I will watch it, I promise. This movie... Of, of all the movies on my list, this is the one that is for you specifically that you would dig the most. My number five, Event Horizon. Oh, yes. I love the fusion of horror with sci-fi in a way that really kind of hadn't been done before. It is at once a possession story and just a mad window into a, you know, a concept of alternate dimensions uh, where we're sort of in the lore of this hell is really an alternate dimension and on the other side of a black hole you find yourself in hell it's it's such a cool almost whodunit-ish way that it all plays out it's 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 a really fun one and it's the second movie on our 20 that stars sam neill in a Lovecraft-style mm-hmm. cosmic horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite point in Event Horizon is the point at which they actually are able to play the ship's log and see what happened to the crew of the Event Horizon. Immediately after that, it cuts to the captain, who is Lawrence Fishburne, saying, we're leaving. I just No shit, That right? gets me every time. It's so funny. All right, well, we'll keep going because where we're going, we don't need eyes to see. (laughs) Number five on my list is We Go On. Now, generally, I don't like ghost stories 
because ghosts aren't scary to me because by definition they don't have bodies so i don't give a shit what they do if you mm-hmm. want to you know turn my lights off and on who cares go fuck yourself yeah this is the only ghost story in the world that is worth a shit um, it is genuinely scary like petrifying because the threat is not to the ghost is not going to kill you they're going to destroy your sanity and they do it while you're watching the movie in a really fun clever creative way can't say enough about this movie it's on amazon it's just this little indie movie where they hit everything just right we go on. i'll have to watch this I, I haven't seen this one i'll have to watch it it sounds awesome it fucking rules uh number four session nine so session nine takes place where uh, some some workers are clearing an old school, no, an, an old asylum of uh, asbestos, and uh, one of them stumbles upon a recording of a session between a psychiatrist and a patient, and and it, it is very much of the horror rooted in in tragedy vain it, there's not any levity in this movie at all but uh, uh the only star of note is david caruso at least at the time I, I don't remember the rest of the cast but it affected me this movie it actually got under my skin so oh i recommend okay it. that sounds right up my alley i will absolutely look for it can you tell me where it's streaming well i believe it lives in the weak and the wounded Okay, I can only assume that's a reference to the movie. I look forward to seeing it, though. Well, for my number four... Now, right up front, the movie is called The Perfection. And last I checked, it was on Netflix. I've seen it probably about three times, four times maybe. Um, It's a hard watch, though. There's stuff in this movie that if you're sensitive to certain kinds of violence... Um, there's there's an implication of violence against children that is never shown on screen, um, but it is obliquely, obliquely referenced. There is... Yeah, so what you're saying is this film isn't for me. <sighs> yes and no, because honestly, I, I didn't think it was for me either. I stopped it in the middle and then finished it because the movie's not about what you think it's about going into it. This hmm. This movie has twists and turns. And at, you know, you think it's one genre of film and then it switches and then it switches again. And by the very end, you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad I stuck this out. I'm glad I went through this. And I actually tweeted at the writer director of this movie. I said, the perfection is a hard goddamn watch, but it's worth it. And, um, we became lifelong friends after that, but So I can't unreservedly recommend this movie because it's got rough parts, but, Mm -hmm. but I love it and I'll probably watch it again. All right. My number three selection, Juon, the original Japanese film that became the grudge. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen the grudge, but I've never actually seen Juon. No. Okay. So Juon, it, it's, a lot of what you see in the grudge is present in Juwan, but it just feels so much scarier to me. It is. I, I mean, the, 
The Grudge is one of the better American remakes of a Japanese horror film because it was made by the actual director of Juon. But um, Juon, I remember watching it by myself. And I'm an adult at this point, mind you, and not being able to turn the lights off because it, it spooked me. And I, I love that it was able to do that to me. All right. Well, I definitely will check it out. I'm not as well versed in Japanese horror as I am in uh, American horror or even British and Canadian horror, but uh, mm. but I will definitely check it out at some point. I wish instead of Juwan, I had gone with Uzumaki. Oh, Spiral. Yeah, that's one I've seen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was great, and actually, it's. Now I'm really thinking about it. I probably should be watching more Japanese horror just because the ones that I have seen, I really enjoyed. One thing I really love about Japanese horror films is that there is this kind of sense of, it's not necessarily evil, but evil is the term I'm going to use here. A um, unrelenting evil that even when you think you figured out the puzzle that the evil is presenting, there is no winning. And that is present. That is a theme that is in a lot of these movies. And I, I kind of love that because it's so much scarier than the Hollywood happy ending. I mean, it's bleaker, certainly, but it's scary. Yeah, but if you want a movie that's going to stick with you, yeah, that's yeah. the way to do it. Now, for my number three, one of the great sleeper hits of all time, a Canadian movie that costs like $12 to make and is a fucking masterpiece, Ginger Snaps. Now, Ginger Snaps is is another one of those movies where it's like being a werewolf is a metaphor for puberty, but mm-hmm. um, it's not Teen Wolf, this one. This movie, right. from the very beginning, is dark and it is heavy, and you... Before you even know there are werewolves in it, you know that all the characters involved are going to have a a grim end. But Mm -hmm. uh, this movie, it's great. I can't say enough about it. I love Ginger Snaps. Go watch Ginger Snaps. What are you doing listening to this right now? Go, Go watch Ginger Snaps. All right. My number two is The Wicker Man, the original British film in which a police sergeant visits an island after uh, being informed of the disappearance of a young girl only to find uh, the Islanders may be complicit in the mystery. And then, you know, in the end, it all kind of it's a horror movie with a lot of twists. That's all. And one kind of big one. But we do want to clarify that this is the original. This is not. Bees, not, not the not bees. The bees. No. <laughs> okay. My uh, number two is called Behind the Mask colon the rise of leslie vernon now what this is is it is a mockumentary that is a meta movie about slasher movies that Hmm. that goes specifically into the philosophical and if you like metaphysical implications of the slasher killer while also being a spoof of slasher killers and being a fucking bang up slasher movie all on its own. It's well, that sounds that sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a masterpiece, 
And unfortunately, they were never able to get it together to film the sequel, but the script for the sequel does exist, and they turned it into a comic book, which I haven't read. But the original's great. Um, it's got cameos by some people that, if you're a horror fan, uh, Kane Hodder has a cameo. Sure, sure. Uh, Robert England has a fairly good-sized role. And uh, okay. there's also a really fun cameo by Zelda Rubenstein. How about Tom Savini? Does he feature in there at all? Actually, he might. Um, okay. I don't. I don't recall ever seeing you know, him on screen, but he he does a lot of cameos. Yeah. In, in in that genre. So I, you know, I, I just figured if if England and Kane Hodder are in there, it's it is a fair chance that he might be in there. But this is this is a movie that deeply understands why we have a slasher genre, and can poke fun at it while at the same time deeply appreciating it for what it is. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, you sh- you should watch this movie immediately. All right, my number one pick, which actually is my number one horror movie of all time, and in my opinion, the peak of body horror, The Thing, mm-hmm. the John Carpenter classic. There is no better horror movie in my opinion. You are invested in these characters. You feel the paranoia of these characters. You are left again with kind of ambiguity. And there are some parts. They make Wilford Brimley fucking menacing as hell in that movie. Particularly at the end. Are you you talking about what I'm thinking about? Yeah. Oh, God. That is such a good scene. I'm just, I'm really excited to, to pile on about this because I also love this movie. It's one of my favorites of all time. It, it is goddamn near perfect. Yeah. And it's the second entry on this list by John Carpenter. Well, and, and the other thing too, we were talking about how good the practical effects are in Werewolf of London. Yeah. Every shot in the thing is, is done, you know, all in on camera. That's that's all the technology that existed at the time and it is convincing and it is fucking terrifying that, and it's also disgusting yeah like if you if you for some reason have never seen the thing and we're talking about the real one now with you know Kurt Russell and Wilfred Brimley uh, we're not, yes. not talking about this dumb bullshit prequel thing from 2011 um, yeah Kurt Russell Keith David Wilfred Brimley so good this movie is loaded with the best effects that I have ever seen in a horror movie. They're a hundred percent practical and they're almost 40 fucking years old. Right. So it does, it does not get any better than this. That's, you know, that's all there is to it really. Like this is the goat forever. Yeah. yeah. And I no, no argument. I say this, even though I haven't talked about my number one yet, which is in a very different direction, sort of. Because this is a movie, there's no big effects, there's no big anything. It's essentially two people in one location for the entire movie. It's called A Dark Song. It's a fairly low-budget Irish movie that came out in 2016. And it's about a woman who has to hire uh, an abusive alcoholic wizard, basically, to help her do this elaborate magical ritual and what it is is it's these two people trapped in this house going on this harrowing psychological journey together 
Hmm. And I can't tell you anything about it. I can tell you I watched it earlier today uh, because I'm obsessed with it. And if you watch it, either you'll understand why it's my favorite horror movie of all time or you're not smart enough to be my friend. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) There it is. I'm fucking laying down the law. Not only for you, but for our listeners. If you, if you watch a dark song and you think, well, that was boring. Fuck you. Never talk to me again. I'm going to do you one better, Greg. I'm never going to watch it. Don't No, You have to watch it. Of of course. I'm going to watch it, you know, someday when I get the time. (laughs) All right. Uh, we have spent a really long time on this segment, so I'm just going to segue right into uh, State Up. It is time for State Up, our weekly review of all the states in the Union. This week, New Mexico is the state on our list. They call New Mexico the land of enchantment. That's because of the curse, you see. The New Mexico state grass is Blue Grandma. Not to be confused with your mom's mom once she got divorced, moved to Taos, and started wearing a lot of turquoise. Here's a fun fact. Pluto was discovered in New Mexico. Yeah, it happened on one of Mickey's many trips through the state. In New Mexico, eating any entree without hatch green chilies carelessly piled on top of it is a capital offense. The highest point in New Mexico was that one episode of Breaking Bad. (laughs) People from Roswell hate talking about aliens for obvious reasons. Here's a tip, guys. Humans love talking about aliens... And it would be less suspicious if you did it more often. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is called Person to Person and Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. The haiku headline shared this week reads, California to enforce gender-neutral toy aisles in large stores. The haiku. Every last toy you can find in the toy store is gender-neutral. Thank you. Well, as always, I'd like to give a shout out to the bros at Brose and to our voiceover artist, Adam West, who you can find on Fiverr or at his website, awestprod.com. And of course, thank you, all of our loyal listeners, our beautiful Tims, our sister brother wives, who I adore and will continue to laud on this segment. Absolutely. We love you guys. You are our special baby angels. You are our buttery croissants and the wind beneath our wings. Folks, that's all the news the persons have for you tonight. Would you like a haiku written about the topic of your choice? Send your topic, and the anchor persons might just make that happen. Gene and Greg love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to them. Send them an email, anchorpersonspodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter, at anchorpersons. Or visit their website, anchorpersonspodcast.com, where you can leave an audio message via SpeakPipe, as well as find full episodes of the show, blog posts, and more. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcatcher of your choice. Or simply tell a friend. Until next time... This is Gene Person saying you should always end a comedy set with a callback. And this is Greg Person saying... Candyman.